Welcome to Franklin and Bash, the only MMA show that matters, featuring myself, Davis Franklin, and multi-division, division three competitor in collegiate wrestling, Richard Neck. Many weight classes, that's true. Uh, I guess we're going to go through, this is our first episode, and we are going to run through UFC Fight Night 143, uh, a few of the fights that mattered to us, and before we watched the event, we made some picks, um, so... If you took Davis, you lost because I took better <laughs> than him. Um, first fight, we had uh, bantamweight Sandhagen and Batista. Uh, I had Sandhagen. Davis had the loser, Batista. And yeah, I won that so one. I knew nothing about that fight. It's just worth saying. Just look at the yeah. records. Neither also, did I. The, the one thing that I noticed was Sandhagen was kind of lanky. And, you know, I like betting against the lanky guys because. I don't know. I just think they get their asses kicked a lot. That's weird. That's like betting against yourself. I don't. I don't yeah, know, I know why you would do that. I'm but the exception. What I, What I found interesting is that Batista came in on a week's notice. So, like, we, without yeah. doing research, we just kind of shot in the dark. Um, but Sandhagen uh, beat him pretty handily in the first round. So the it was a good submission, good ground game. I think we was, were. Was that there. the one that he took him down initially with a double knee, double flying knee? I think yeah, he kneed him and then tried to finish it, and then he was just they were scrambling, doing some good uh, grappling exchanges oh, yeah. where Sandhagen was getting the better of him. Yeah, but that's one for me, zero for Davis for the prelim card. Um. Then the second one was uh, light heavyweight, Manyfield versus Morea. Uh, we both had Manyfield, who was a former NFL player. No, uh, not NFL, Arena League. Oh, ah, football, league. professional football. Yeah. yeah. What did you think about that one? Uh, well, Morea was, uh, I don't know. Uh, he kind of looked like a stereotypical jujitsu guy, like, he wanted to take it to the ground, but he wasn't athletic. He's like a non-athlete MMA fighter. Um, yeah. And Minifield, I think, just through athleticism and power, controlled him in the clinch. And then, oh my gosh, for those of y'all who didn't see, Maria tried the most like half-ass spinning back kick like I've ever <laughs> seen. And then it's almost like he paused after he finished the spin, and Minifield was like, seriously? And just like straight right to the jaw. Oh, yeah. Down. Uh, Manifield was just throwing bombs the whole time. Yeah. It was, you know, when you get these, I guess we'll get more into NFL players or football players <laughs> doing MMA later, <laughs> but they just love throwing bombs with their hands, no kicks, no, you know, movement. It's just like, I'm going to hit you in the face as hard as possible. And Manifield did that. <laughs> he succeeded he with KO in the first round. But good that he stuffed some takedowns, and you know, yeah, there might be yeah, some he, promise there. Yeah, Maria had him up against the fence um, on the legs. He looked, he looked. I mean, he he wasn't ready for the the headshots, and he. But if if he had gotten to the ground, I think Maria Menefield knocked him down on the ground and then let him get back up mm-hmm. just to keep it going because um, he didn't want to grapple. They don't. The NFL players don't want to grapple. Um, so, yeah, that one we were on the same page. We both had Menafield, so, you know, I'm still up one. Um, the next one on the prelims, I think we were both pretty interested in. We were also split. It was the women's flyweight, uh, JoJo Calderwood, and the queen of violence or goddess of violence, Lisp- Lipsky? 
Yeah, queen of violence. Queen of Goddess violence. of violence would be better. It's. Uh, I was. Uh, you picked Calderwood, sticking with your Scottish roots, and I was seduced by the queen of violence and went with her. Yeah, it was a good fight. Um, probably. Well, you know, as we were saying before the show, uh, probably deserved to be a main event um, instead of the yeah. uh, Van Zant Hostovich fight. Um, but better record, man, way better records. Yeah, way better teams. records. Um, Calderwood's and a former Muay Thai world champion. Yeah. Um, girl is tatted up. Yes. Crazy tats. You know she's a killer. And um, she caught her with the killer who's tatted up. And Lipsky's, uh, she's on a, I think that Van Zant made it on the card with her dancing with the stars uh, activity. But Lipsky uh, could give her a run for her money and uh, the dancing looks department. I think. Yeah. The, the aesthetics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely yeah. uh, the most aesthetically impressive female fighter uh, in the octagon. Let's try Amazing. to keep a PC here, guys. Okay. All right. Producer Carter stepping in, I guess. Um, but we, I mean, the first round, Lipsky looked really crisp at the stand-up, and she was um, moving around uh, pretty well on the feet, um, tagging JoJo up for maybe the first round and a half, and then uh, mm. Carter you think less than that? I think maybe about the first 45 seconds. Okay. I just you know, re- I watched it like 45 minutes ago again. All right. You're fresher than I am. Okay. Uh, uh, no, because remember in the first, I think it was the first round, or maybe it was the second round, where Calderwood took her down and just dominated. Yep, that's the control. first round. Yeah. yeah. She had her down for the whole rest of the round. I thought it was, I, I get, because it was a real veteran takedown and ground and pound from Calderwood. Outside and trip she, on the cage. Yeah, just surprising that the, the the british isles scotland girl was way better at uh, grappling exchanges than the brazilian um but she did she dominated that round um then the second round calderwood just got way better timing and lipsky slowed down yeah one of the things i noticed um throughout the fight but especially as it progressed uh, Calderwood made use of a lot of front kicks, both to the body and the legs, like that, like uh, yeah. elliptical kick, yeah. you know, with the right leg to the knee, mm-hmm. um, and then also just teeps. Um, and I think that combined with, I mean, I think well, um, not sure if it's a good take or not, but Lipsky, you know, she's so powerful. She, like, you know, girl has shoulders. She looks like she's gonna take her head off with every you know overhand she threw, um, yeah. and she kind of probably depended on finishing the fight early standing. And when it went to the ground, she kind of tried to muscle her way out, exhausted herself. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if, she, if people say that the UFC is like their whole uh, performance aspect of going into the arena, being in the big stage really affects people. Cause she's gone. Mm-hmm. Her previous fight was a full 25 minute championship fight. So I wouldn't, I, I can't imagine that it was, you know, cardio and lack of preparation, just probably like getting in the moment, um, affected her. Yeah. Well that affects your cardio too. I mean, not yeah. in like a preparation way, but like you, you know, your heart rate goes up, you, mm-hmm. um, and I think we saw this a little bit with Hernandez. We'll get to that later, but just yeah. kind of younger fighters getting taken down and then just trying to instantly explode back up, mm-hmm. um, instead of kind of using some technique and just counting on the strength to, to do it. Yeah. Um, 
The jujitsu transitions at the end of the fight in the third round from Calderwood were super impressive. And she almost got her with an armbar at the end of the first as well. Yeah, the third round, yeah, she was threatening the entire fight on the ground. I think that Lipsky was flattened out, couldn't get out, had no um, defense or way of getting away and off, back off, uh, off the ground and on her feet, which is where she is the most violent and wanted to be. <laughs> so it was surprising and just a really good showing from Calderwood. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so flyweight, Rich, help me out. Who's at the head of flyweight? That's not Nunez, is it? No, that's they just had the Nico Montoya against um, Valentina Shevchenko. Okay, Shevchenko's gonna run that for a, a while. I yeah, we'll call the little be an interesting. I don't know because uh, they're they're both more type people. Yeah. And clearly, Calderwood's got some a good ground game. I mean, unless Lipsky was just that. Yeah. You know, it's hard to imagine that she's that unprepared on the ground. So let's give right. Calderwood some credit for a pretty dominant ground game that could, you know, be a deciding factor against another stand-up uh, fighter. Yeah, and I mean, I thought Calderwood just seems because I watched a few videos with her and like Ariel Hawani going in, and she just seems so like, uh, like quiet voiced you know mm-hmm. and then she gets in there she's a monster it's it yeah. was really kind of cool and interesting um so you got anything else for that one that fight move on i uh, know i'll hold off until we get to the next uh women's yeah. flyweight okay so you uh going back you pick calderwood i've picked lipsky so now we're even at two and two going into the uh prelim main event on espn for the first time it was um Hernandez versus Cerrone. Um, I had the young Hernandez, who was undefeated, I think, going in, and you had the old vet Cerrone. Yep. Um, and you chose right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I gotta say, you know, um, this. I think this is a great card to start. You know, ESPN. Uh, you know, the main card was on ESPN Plus. So this was the last fight on ESPN's, you know, um, cable, uh, you know, television coverage um man all the fights were great uh and then to end with this one Cerrone like a veteran just like whooping Hernandez ass um I mean you know for people that hadn't watched UFC before and just kind of tuned in as they were flipping through the channels uh it was definitely good business for the UFC good for ESPN um yeah I thought think overall about it uh being on ESPN do you think it was overall positive uh I think they're the only I don't think there was really a change. Um, I noticed the, uh, a little bit slower camera. <laughs> like people would go off frame a little bit. I wasn't very happy with that. I don't know when. Um, but, I didn't notice uh, that. I noticed it once or twice. Maybe okay. I think it was in the um, probably the first fight, San Hagen and Bautista. Um, but the, I mean, everyone noticed that the ESPN was injecting. Stephen A. Smith and Ugh. you know <laughs> whoever they want. I oh, guess wait, he was Stephen the A. was guy. part of the coverage on ESPN. Yeah. So what? The, I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> yeah, I think was actually besides that, I think uh, it was actually a little bit crisper than Fox coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's something even when Fox does NFL games, it feels like it's just kind of slimy or something. You know. Well, 
they have the robots intro. They still yeah. have the robots intro. They <laughs> yeah, they better. just do that kind of gimmicky stuff. And ESPN yeah. is just more, it's just crisper. But Stephen yeah. A. Smith, yeah, Carter, it was, uh, so it started off with him, with Michael Bisbing. Michael Bisbing is like one of the most, um, you know, respected kind of color commentators and analysts, you know, in the mm-hmm. business. And Stephen A. Smith has taken up all the airtime. And Bisping is, like, trying to rush through, trying to get his words in. And then Stephen A. Smith just kept talking about the T.J. Dillashaw weight cut. Like, that was the story. Yeah. I I think that the— Stephen A. just dominates conversation. Yeah. The best meme I I sent it to Davis, it was um, both John Anik and Daniel Cormier— Pretty, you know, they longstanding MMA people. Uh, Anik is a as a commentator and Cormier as a fighter, looking at Stephen A. Smith with his just mouth wide open, just yelling into the microphone, and both of them look very stern. <laughs> like, what is this guy talking about? And the meme says, "When the new guy tries to fit in, but clearly doesn't know shit," <laughs> which is the story of that guy, you know. Um, but it, I think overall, the I think the UFC came in knowing what they need to do because the format doesn't really change, and they kept yeah. when, at, the, at the post show still had, you know, Bisbing and what's her name, Steel Sage Steel. Yeah, Sage Steel. But at the end of the day, yeah. I just think the average person will find themselves on ESPN more than they'll find themselves on FS1, so they're going to get the casual viewer a lot more. Hundred percent. It, it yeah. is, you know, for us like Ragnar and Stephen A. Smith, it's probably as a business decision made sense to have him at least for this fight, maybe a couple more. It's like a transition. Yeah, um, it's a familiar face. Yeah, so. and yeah, I mean, if you watch ESPN on a daily basis, they covered it really leading up to it. I think I saw that they added like three million more subscribers to ESPN Plus from just from this. Like it. it it's crazy. There, it's it's. I don't think it's going to make Disney stock get any better, but it will make yeah. them a little happier with ESPN. <laughs> well, let's get back. To now, I won't that. interject myself too much, but I know that in the past, ESPN and its personalities were saying MMA was too violent of a sport for them to sort of be invested in. So it's sort of like a last-minute uh, grasp for relevance to like mer- align themselves with UFC, and I think it'll end up being good for both parties. That could be in our um, uh, ESPN, what they're doing to remain relevant podcast that we come up with next. You know, we'll chat about Barstool Van Talk and UFC and, you know, uh, Cornhole Championships or whatever they have going on next. Um, But yeah, let's get back to the fight, Davis. (laughs) So uh, just so the reason why I picked Cerrone in. Um, you know, for those of y'all that haven't heard his uh, Joe Rogan interview on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, it was. Oh, it was a I really haven't heard one. this. Oh, you, you haven't heard? <laughs> no, it? I haven't. I haven't heard this reasoning. I love oh. where it's going. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, three major events. I mean, Donald Cerrone's had a very up and down career. He was a lightweight, then he moved up to welterweight and had, you know, mixed results there. And it is welterweight string with a vicious getting knocked out uh, viciously um, by up-and-coming, uh, oh, geez, the Liverpudlian's name, the Merseysider. Hill. Yeah, Darren Hill. Hill. Thank you. Yeah. The gorilla from Liverpool. Um, 
And that's what he calls himself. I'm not, you know. He had uh, a few more welterweights afterwards. He had. Um, did he? I thought that was yeah. his last welterweight fight. No, he fought uh, Madeira, who is on this card later on, or Madeiros. And then did he, he lose fought, to Madeiros? No, he beat the crap out of Madeiros. I mean, they oh, were Madeiros? like hugging in the middle of the fight. They were dapping each other up, and then Cerrone just kicked him in the face. You know. Hmm. Oh, Madeiros does. fought as a lightweight though. No, they were at, they were up at welterweight. They were both and fighting then, at welterweight. And then yeah. Cerrone's last one was against that dumb dumb, uh, that Florida dumb dumb. What's his face? Oh. Platinum Mike Perry. That oh, guy. But that was also at welterweight. That was a yeah. lightweight. No, that's a welterweight. Perry's a big boy. He fought, fights at welterweight, and he sucks. But yeah. To, I hope oh, he doesn't so this listen. This is his first one back at lightweight. My bad. Okay. Yeah, it's his um, first one back down because he wants so, that belt. So part of the reasoning for my pick was, uh, you know, listen to this podcast and three major life experiences that I think have kind of turned Cerrone's career around. One, he's had a kid, and that's just, like, refocused him uh, a lot, you know, trying to think more financially and just taking him more seriously. His persona is the cowboy of, like, not giving a crap about anything. Is He's kind of put that – he's matured a little bit like that. Two, he had this crazy near-death experience cave diving in Mexico with a, a former friend, no longer a friend, because the guy uh, kind of panicked while they were in the cave, cut the line, and left uh, Cerrone in the dark by himself, like, you know, 400 feet underwater in a cave uh, with, like, half an hour of oxygen. And then, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And he, he barely survived. Yeah. Um, but he survived and it was like, you know, made him kind of be more appreciative. On top of that, uh, he recently um, began, I don't know if it's become a regular thing, but he's had, had at least one ayahuasca trip that uh, he talks about being really kind of eye opening about, you know, just him getting his shit together, not drinking as much, being more disciplined. Mm-hmm. Which I think he looked good at lightweight. Like he did not yeah. look like he was uh, depleted. Um, as far as strength goes, um, like a very solid lightweight, um, you know, some things I noticed. And so that was kind of my reasoning why I thought he was going to come in and, uh, whoop ass on this young buck, which he did. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The, um, you know, uh, the first round, the beginning of the round, Hernandez definitely looked like a kind of, he had some good pressure and he was moving around and then, he, he he looked faster, stronger, and younger, but then Cerrone started putting it together. And they got into the Muay Thai clinch where Cerrone is owns he owns in the Muay Thai clinch. He gets knees on the body over and over again. So the stats and, the stats from the clinch were interesting. Um if you go to fight mm-hmm. metric, have you seen this, Rich? Fightmetric.com? No. I'm looking at it now. It's got uh well basically strikes in the clinch. Hernandez had almost twice as much as Cerrone. Really? Noticed, yes. But what kept happening is whenever they'd break the clinch, Cerrone would throw right hook and just clock him on the jaw. Like, yeah. it, was, it was really dangerous as they were breaking from the clinch. Cerrone yeah. was very aggressive, and Hernandez was breaking from the clinch and trying to backpedal. Huh. Uh, the other thing I noticed about Hernandez is I thought he was moving a little bit too much at the beginning. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, and he's also one of these guys. He's very he's heavily smaller. muscled. He's smaller but heavily muscled. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he lost a lot of his power. Uh, oh, getting back to the takedowns. Great takedown by Donald Cerrone in the first round. Hernandez yep. tried to get up three times, just exploding, 
Each time, Serrani took him back down, and then finally on the fourth attempt, he got up. And I think that mm-hmm. took a lot of wind out of his sails. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, that's not something that you know Cerrone for. Uh, it's not his highlights, but it's something that he uses. He uses it against uh, Perry last fight. His yeah, ground, excellent submission. His submissions are good. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I thought... I thought he started coming to his own in the second round. I mean, he won the first round pretty convincingly. And I thought it started coming to his own in the second round. And he started pushing forward with these punches. And he got these combinations that were kind of reminiscent of whatever that uh, that gif of him getting a five punch and a kick combination and turning into a super saiyan. That's what, <laughs> that's what he started looking like. It was He was timing it and... Um, the the finish the head kick was just it was I'm glad I was not on the receiving end of it. Oh, it was brutal. You know, it, it, he was so composed. His head movement. Yeah. Um. You know, he was just ducking all of Hernandez's haymakers mm. and straights. Um. Uh, so he wasn't connecting on any of his power shots for Hernandez. Maybe one or two early on in the first round. Yeah. Um, and then what I thought was so impressive is at the beginning of the second round. Uh, Cerrone started teeing off on Hernandez, and then um, uh, Cormier said, as he was announcing, now he's got to finish with the head kick. Mm-hmm. And I think he kind of thought about Cerrone in the past as kind of a guy who'd rush, um, you know, he just like go at it when he senses blood. But instead, yeah. Cowboy was calm. He started working the body, working yeah. the body, and then yeah, like you said, that brutal head kick. That um, yeah. Baseball yeah, was, bats, man. It was baseball clean. bats. It was very clean. Um, and b- both of us were texted uh, during the fight, and afterwards we said, "He's got to get McGregor. That's got to be what they do next." Um, I think that McGregor Khabib is not something that we need to see yet. I think that uh, McGregor wants a striker. Serrano will strike with him, and that will be the a big fight. You know, uh, yeah. that could be like the, Nate Diaz level. Um, yeah. You know, as far as the kind of, I mean, I can see them running that back too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Depending on how it goes, that could be well, a great fight. Well, what I want, I well, if we're doing matchups, I want Nate Diaz against our next guy. I want him against Gillespie. Yeah, let's That's, move forward. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you took the lead there after the the prelims. You're up three two. Um. So. Next, the beginning of the main card on the ESPN Plus platform. Not a great platform. I think we both thought it was a little glitchy. Was there any um, change in the coverage when it switched over to ESPN Plus? They didn't have no. commercials. They, they just said commercial break, and there was no... Yeah, what I, I would have liked for them to take a more like pay-per-view approach where they just they have you know conversations in the middle or they have... Uh, uh, previews for upcoming fights and stuff. Instead, it was just blank screen. So, and I mean, it kicked you out a few times. I know it kicked me out a few times. Yeah, um, I think they were overwhelmed with the amount of people they had streaming. For sure, it's not you know, Netflix where you have the thing and you just have to show it. It's live streaming. I'm sure is a little different. I'm not a yeah. technical guy. Um, so, <laughs> the first fight of the main card is light heavyweight, and it's Glover Teixeira versus Roberson. Um, I, I, I know Teixeira is an old vet, and he's good, but I didn't believe in him, and you didn't believe in him. I thought, you know, he was 
washed. And I saw the record for Roberson was was undefeated, seven mm-hmm. one or, or something. Um, and we both picked Roberson. We didn't realize that he took also took this fight on short notice, one week notice. And the being around looked like he was gonna finish Teixeira. Teixeira was in on a shot, and he was getting some elbows and. Those are vicious elbows when they're coming down when you're on the fence and getting it right. Sort of, you're getting on the ear. You're not quite the back. Yeah, I was head. wondering about that because he was throwing. So what happened is uh, Teixeira went in for a takedown. Roberson kind of clenched him up and then started. It looked like he was elbowing the back of his head, I, uh, which is technically the... supposed to be an illegal strike, but people get away with that all the time when they're defending yeah. takedowns. Yeah, it's uh, Tashera does uh, was getting it in the back of the head. I mean, I don't know. I think there's something like getting in the hit in the back of the head is worse than in the side. It or the is, front. yeah. Um, so I, it I sucks. Know As I know from that. experience, Carter knocking my noggin behind the ear when we were boxing. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, it was not good. Yeah, he's got it, nothing to say about that now, though. He'll yeah. chime in when he wants to uh, force the topics on us. I stay but, on uh, mute so as not to cut into y'all just by saying anything all the time. So That's, that's so, preferable. Um, so what happened, though, is Texera, uh, he, <laughs> he had a great uh, great submission. Um, yeah. You know, but I, so he had a great submission arm triangle that he was really setting up for a while once yes. he got top control. Um, he... He looked like he was going to do a Kimura or Americana. Sorry, jujitsu mm-hmm. people. I get those confused from the top position. Um, mm-hmm. But he was going for like a kind of arm uh, joint lock. And then, um, you know, basically Roberson ran out of options and went to protect his head. And then he got the arm triangle. Um, yeah. Well, one thing I, I pointed, well, I noticed Tessera was uh, mounted, fully mounted at one point. And yeah. when I rewatched it, I was like, how does he get out of this? Like, he's fully mounted. Roberson's a big, strong guy. Um, Teixeira gave up his back. He just rolled over, gave up his back. And Roberson, instead of going for any kind of control and position, just kind of let him roll over and escape. Mm-hmm. And so, for, I mean, Teixeira's finish was great. I'm not sure, though, if this is indicative of, like, a, a rise um, up through the rankings. I could see him getting... Stopped in his next fight. By yeah, another I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who he was supposed to fight, but I assume it would be uh, better than a short notice fight. Yeah, because he's still top fifteen, and um, you know, I don't really the light heavyweight division is a little funky with yeah. Jones and Gustafson. Gustaf, I mean, well, you know who's going to move up to light heavyweight? Gustafson can't Rockhold. Rockhold and Romero. Romero. <laughs> Romero will fight a light heavyweight. <laughs> I love it. He, he can't. There's nothing else for him to do. Uh, a middleweight. He's not going to stay yeah. and fight. Um, what's his name for a third time? Um, oh, uh, Whitaker. Yeah. Um, no. You know, Whitaker's going to beat Gastelum. No, uh, I don't know. Fight. Yes, he is. Gastelum, he's a good boxer, but Whitaker is next level, man, and he is so tough. If you think Gastelum is knocking Whitaker out, you're out of your mind. Yeah. There's no way. He took bombs from Romero. Romero's like a cyborg. He's like a genetically engineered fighting machine. Cuban. Cuban genetic engineer. Yes. Yeah. And 
Whitaker beat him with a broken hand. So yeah. I, I don't see. Well, I, don't see. I mean, they, Whitaker's going to tee It was off. weird that they didn't have any previews for that one, but it was strange. Uh, well, it's because it's a pay per view and it's not ESPN. Oh, well, they're partnership. They should still do it. They should. Um, so we were both wrong on that, and I think we're still you up three. I'm at two. Mm-hmm. The next fight was the women's flyweight. Neither of us were very uh, intrigued by it. It was uh, uh, Van Zant versus Ostevich. I picked Van Zant. You picked Ostevich. And um, do you know the Ostevich kind of got the got it to the ground, but just smushed her in the first round and didn't get any damage. Didn't really advance and it's pretty boring uh, um she had her page in a choke for like a minute but couldn't get it to a position where she could actually lock it in um and sink it in and make it actually choke her so it was just like sitting in the middle of the of the mat with uh, for the final two minutes pretty uneventful um, and I gave the first round to Ostevich, but then second round, uh, it got a little bit more interesting, um, with Paige trying to strike and, um, getting Ostevich's back. Uh, they did a few, uh, um, uh, both of them flipping over, um, Ostevich getting high and Paige also getting high, but then going for an arm bar. And, uh, I, I don't know. I wasn't. They, she was only on because of Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah, it was it was a kind of slow paced fight. Um, yeah, not super impressive grappling, but you know, props to Paige yeah. for pulling out the win. What I would like to see yeah. next is uh, Ariana Lipsky fight Paige Van Zant. Yeah, do that. That sounds great. Let's do that fight. More pretty um, girl fights. Lipsky. No. Well, it'll it'll give Lipsky a chance to get on the main card. Um, yeah. you know, and then I think, uh, Calderwood needs to fight someone legit next. Someone that's already in the top 10. Um, uh, put her against Montoya, put her against Nico. The yeah. former one. That yeah, one would true. be good. Cause I don't, I don't think she can, I don't think she's ready for Shevchenko. I don't, I don't know who's ready. Well, for it would, yeah, it would be a, she's 10 now. So yeah. From 10 to title fight doesn't really make sense. Yeah. All right. Next one. Uh, so I got that tied up three, three comeback time for me. Um, the next fight is the flyweight. Uh, I enjoyed this one. Benavidez versus Ortiz. Um, I had Benavidez, you had Ortiz. These guys had fought before in 2014. It went the distance. Benavidez won, um, then, and he did the same. Now they were really just reversal after reversal on the grappling. This, this one should have been a draw, man. You think? Yeah. yeah. I actually think they should have a lot more draws. Um, yeah. Because you're really... So if you're looking at the... I'm looking at the fight stats now. Dustin Ortiz, 49 significant strikes compared to Benavidez, 21. Mm-hmm. So he over-doubled on the significant strikes. They mm-hmm. say that striking is supposed to be the first thing that's... You know, goes into consideration for the judging. Right. Um, you know, seven takedowns out of 12... For Benavidez and uh, three takedowns for Ortiz. Yeah, and he had a lot of. I guess he had some top control, but it wasn't like. I don't oh, know. There was, it wasn't. There was no control with for either of them. Both of them were just, just scrambling constantly, in my opinion. And 
Yeah. And the strikes with the significant strikes, it looked like um, I, I, it was all kind of removed from my mind from the, with the grappling. That's the only thing I remember. <laughs> you know, I guess well, Benavidez in, was kind of in round three. In lot. round three, Ortiz landed fourteen strikes to Benavidez one. He, was it 28-27? No, it was 29? a 29-28 for every judge. So, But yeah. he had the striking advantage in every round by a, a, at least double or at least close to double margin. Yeah, well... So I, what I think happened... I, think, I don't know how they scored that. It's just weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, my, my point is just in fights like that where it's like, hey, it was a good fight. They both you know, went after it, but like nobody beat the shit out of anyone else. It's got to be a draw. And then it's better for both fighters. It's like you don't get a loss on your column, and you can either run it back mm-hmm. or you can you know, match up against someone else. You know, But it's just not fair. Yeah. Well, it's it wasn't a draw, judgment. and I won it. So uh, that's one more for me. So that's how, that's how I like to see it go. <laughs> and all right, now we got final three. Uh, who is it? You sent me this. Ben Askren said it was the lock of the night, the lightweight, uh, Gillespie versus Baderas. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, uh, I think the casual fans would be pretty, uh, weren't very entertained by it. But Not much I, to say, really. Gillespie yeah, just dominated he dominated. He got a body lock, and he never let go of it. And he took him down over and over again. I mean, Medeiros scrambled the best he could, but um, it was a strong, strong ground and pound, strong grappling. But yeah, I, uh, I was, I was proud of Gillespie when he got the mic, kind of shushing the fans, being like, "Don't boo! Like this is yeah. how this is how we fight." You know, right? Medeiros tried to survive the best he could, and yeah, um, and then he came. You know, he's a Long Island guy, so. Yeah, um, he kind of got some love from the crowd for that, but I think mm-hmm. it was it's you know you and I saw the fight um, same time last year in Boston, the uh, title fight between Miocic mm-hmm. and Ngannou, yep. and mm-hmm. in that fight Miocic, uh, I mean I thought it was a great fight. He handled him in the stand up, he took him down, then dominated, and people were booing the heavyweight champion of the world for controlling the fight in the most strategically advantageous yeah. way. Stupid. Yeah. You can't. It, it, it was disappointing. I wouldn't boo uh, in the same football field of Miocic. If he <laughs> if he was in the like if we were anywhere near each other, I wouldn't want to hear have him hear me booing him and see me doing it because I think that would be a dangerous scene. I would wouldn't be able to run run away. Yeah, um, but I, I think Gillespie he's still undefeated. Uh, I, you know what I did here? I heard he got robbed after the fight. His bag was stolen. Like his his wallet and uh, all his gear. That so, sucks. That, I know, especially if you're about to go on a nice long fishing trip. Well, he seems but, like a nice guy, but he's not very active. That's one thing. He doesn't fight that much. Yeah, he th- he's about two a year. Hopefully, he gets a, goes to three a year. Because I'd like to f- see him fight Kevin Lee. Oh, that'd be good. Kevin the, the, Lee. Kevin Lee. That would be good. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, we're, who's Poirier fighting? I don't know. I'd like uh, to see him fight Poirier, Kevin Lee, now you say, or Nate Diaz, someone like that. Yeah. Um, and you said it in the, in the future, and I think I saw a tweet from Matt Brown or something saying Khabib down the line. Yes. Two grapplers. So we'll see. Um, 
But let's move on to the oh oh boy. Uh, so we get both got points for that, and then we both went with our hearts at heavyweight Hardy versus Crowder, and picked Crowder, which uh, I don't know. It's a DQ, but Hardy didn't win, so we're all winners in that event. I thought Crowder um, actually looked pretty good. I think he was winning the fight before the illegal knee. He was winning the fight, and he was talking smack before it. Yeah, it was weird. Too. I didn't like that. Like, I didn't like um, that he didn't touch gloves with Hardy. Um, I, yeah, I, I have in my notes these guys both stink. Um, followed by Hardy, so dumb. One hundred percent. Dana White drops him and distances the UFC, which I guess isn't happening. And then uh, after that, it's so ridiculous that Stephen A. Smith is there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. back to the beginning well, what was the his... uh, general sort of I don't know hubbub around Greg Hardy fighting because I've heard before that Dana White said he had a zero tolerance on uh, domestic violence or zero tolerance policy on domestic violence and now Greg Hardy who even the NFL won't take is fighting for the MMA on as the title fight or not the title fight but the second I mean, biggest fight of the evening come right? in event. Yeah. number one don't believe anything Dana White said <laughs> Never believe anything he says. Never. Uh, n- number two, uh, they've had domestic abusers in there before. I mean, the big hubbub was that Ostovich had her eye orbital broken in November by her uh, husband. And then she's on the same card as Greg Hardy. So they they were talking about that. That was what the big hubbub was about, uh, up and above him being there at all, which is probably undeserved, was 100% undeserved. After yeah. three professional fights. I think they're just trying to get NFL. I mean, there's a cachet to having former NFL players fight right. in your organization. Right. And Greg Hardy is a freak athlete. Like, they kept saying in the podcast, like, or not, sorry, in the coverage, um, you know, that he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 17 as a high school senior. And, That's um, crazy. I thought, you know, like Rich was saying, he was just throwing bombs. He got gassed. And then it was strange. Crowder started talking smack to him and then Crowder started lighting him up a little bit yeah then he kind of gassed and um well what was interesting is after greg hardy threw the illegal so in at least ufc rules like the american mma rules you cannot knee to the head a downed opponent Mm -hmm. um and he had one knee on the ground um which made him downed and then he kneed him right in the temple which was uh it looked painful, and he was donezos. I mean, yeah. he, yeah, I don't want to speculate on whether or not someone can go back after being needed. Need well, you face. shouldn't. You shouldn't. Like, the guy <laughs> no. broke the rules. And how could you expect to fight at your capacity after you're almost getting knocked unconscious like that? Um, so, all right, we need, let's, let's move on. Oh, I also wanted to say, um, you know, he's a freak athlete, but the the football conditioning did not translate at all. Those guys, they do five-second plays, and then they have 40 seconds off. And I I can go on and on about how stupid football is and, like, how bad it is to watch, how you get 12 minutes of activity in a 60-minute yeah, sport. It's, it's just stupid. And it translates over to how he gassed out. Well, it's like not real athletics in that sense no. with all the breaks. Um, that. So take that football people. All right, Henry Cejudo, man, Gangster Dosha, finish. yeah, yeah. Ugh. 
Dillashaw, Jeez. the way he just shoved him, he, he slipped oh it and then shoved him down. <laughs> it was like a bully. It was like a schoolyard brawl. Yeah. It was just like, so, um, you know, TJ Dillashaw, 135-pound champ, uh, decided to, um, so Cejudo wanted to move up to fight Dillashaw at 135. Dillashaw yeah. said, no, no I'm going to move him. down to 125. Yeah. Which... Uh, was interesting, and I'm going to take your belt. So mm-hmm. he cut the weight. He looked... Um, he definitely had to lose a lot of muscle to do that. Yeah, he's um, been working on it for like four months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he, you know, so he was like, he looks like a malnourished cross-country runner. And, yeah. I mean, that is what he looked like in weigh-ins. Like, he made weight pretty easily, but, um, you know, as far as... Like, I think he weighed in at 124.5. But Zahudo afterwards says... Cejudo walked into the octagon at 145. Really? Yes. And he's the smaller of the two. Yes, because he's so muscly. So you can cut all that water out of your muscles. Yeah. And he's just clearly the stronger fighter. Um, I also think, you know, he's an Olympic gold medalist. So TJ Dillashaw, he wrestled at some, like, Division II place in California. UC Davis or something. I I don't know if it still exists. When you have Olympian caliber wrestlers make it to the UFC, I think it's just a matter of time until they dominate their weight class. Yeah, it comes to, I mean, Romero is there as well. Um, Cormier, Cormier, Cormier too. Um, he's, he's just a monster and that he doesn't, the reason why he wanted to go up to 35 is because he had trouble making 25 early on. Uh, he doesn't like the cut, but the the reason why – they keep saying that the reason why he needed to win was to keep the division alive. I, you, Dana White's always threatening to close divisions, open new divisions. He's just – he can't listen to Dana White, but he, he is in charge. And if he, he threatens to do something, yeah, I, I don't know. You have to take it seriously. And I lo- the, the 125 division has to stay. Um, so Hudo Benavidez is the next fight because Benavidez has a win over him. Um, Suhudo Sergio Pettis has already happened. Um, they're just, but the next fight is going to be at 135, and it's going to be Suhudo Dillashaw, and I, I don't know if it changes the outcome. I don't think so. I, 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 I don't that think was so. Such a dominant win. That was the, I mean, it wasn't even a fight. I don't. Let me look at the yeah. fight stats real quick. But I don't think Dillashaw landed a punch. No. Oh, yeah. Dillashaw was so, so salty ah. at the end, too. Well, he apparently so he landed one punch, but I don't remember that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He probably doesn't either. <laughs> he definitely doesn't. <laughs> yeah, so then, so Henry Sudo knocked out, well, it was a TK, it was a stoppage, ground and pound, um, 35 seconds into the fight. And then immediately TJ Dillashaw said, um, you know, this was unfair. I got, this is a premature stoppage. And then rewatching it, um, it was not premature. And no, none of the commentators for ESPN thought it was premature. I think mm-hmm. especially as the headlining fight for ESPN Plus's first time, like you, you don't, can't have someone just beating the crap out of someone who's yeah. on the ground. I mean, Dillashaw it's got not, knocked to the ground three times. It's not a way to get your girlfriend or your mom to watch. No, and he was not protecting himself. No, I don't like watching that either. Just to be clear. Yeah. Well, it becomes it's not entertaining anymore. It's it's just no. no. You know, um, and I think you know there was a lot of people were talking about Dillashaw being one of the best well-rounded mixed martial artists in the game, and you know I haven't been following it for 
too long, but I guess that was based mainly off of his win over Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, um, and also his the way he beat it was it Barrow. He beat Henan Barrow, who was a Brazilian who owned the division for a long time. Um, while uh, what's his face? He's a commentator. He keeps getting injured. Oh, yeah, um, Dominic Cruz was yeah. out. Mm-hmm. And people think that Dominic Cruz uh, in the TJ Dillashaw fight, that's a very good fight. Um, but I i don't know about the most well-rounded. Um, no. He's, he's a great fighter. I, w- I think at 135 pounds, he would beat the crap out of me. Um, so, you know, I, I love watching all of them fight. And I think that, you know, the more he fights, and I'm excited to see the next one with Cejudo and Dillashaw at 135. Hopefully a pay-per-view main event for those guys. Yeah. Um, get them a nice payday. I also have, well, Cejudo said he got paid, but it, all I noticed was that he got a uh, a new belt that looks like a crappy spinner rim. rim spinner. Oh, you don't like the new belts? No. It looks I like, like the new belts. It looks like something you put on your, your tires and you spin around. It's, it's trimmed down. It doesn't have as much of the blingy bling. I doesn't like have there's diamonds in it now what are you talking about no but it's like it's more squared it's more like a like a you know art deco belt that's a shape say. not a bling what are you yeah what? but that's that's part of it it's oh it's cool. like octagon it's octagonal the belt itself is octagonal it's perfect art deco oh. belt what a ridiculous take <laughs> <laughs> yeah bad and bougie over here dogwood sports throwing i art prefer deco i prefer the key obscura uh, version of the belt. Uh, yeah. Um, so I ended up seven Davis five. Uh, somehow we should turn these things into money. Uh, I think that's legal in some States, uh, figure out how to do that. And we got all these Puritan laws here in Boston. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't We need someone good at interneting or that lives in Delaware. Veras. All right, so we'll, we'll run it back, Rich. Uh, yeah. The next fight. Um, I, I, I'm looking forward to the uh, Pico fight if I can figure out how to watch Bellator and the, the you know, Adesanya Silva will be good along yeah. with Whitaker Gaslam. That'll be yeah, a good. So card. the next big one is on what is it? February. Is it Valentine's Day? Yeah. Um. So the uh, middleweight champion Robert Whitaker is taking on Kelvin Gaslam for the middleweight belt and then a middleweight contender fight between um, rising star uh, Israel, the Nigerian nightmare Adesanya versus arguably the greatest striker in MMA history. Um, Rich Anderson. So Anderson Silva. Spider. So Spider. good. You forget his name. Yeah. I know. I've even got his DVD over there in the corner. Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> Hey y'all. Thanks for listening. Um, yeah. yeah. And hopefully see y'all next time. Yep. Clean it up for Franklin, the Franklin and Bash. The only in the most that matters. <laughs> <laughs>